God, I pray today that, God, as I share vision, God, that your heart, Lord, would be our hearts, O oh God, that your vision would be our vision, Father, and that, Lord, that you would give us a renewed passion for people that are far from you, Lord. And we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. We want to welcome you this afternoon. We want to welcome all of those that are watching via live stream as well this afternoon. I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. In the words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some men and questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jericho is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commands, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to, to hear the prayers of your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you, and we have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem with your great strength and mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servants success. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. This afternoon, we're calling this Sunday Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday. And for a few moments, I want to speak to you about vision, not just any vision, but Bethlehem's vision. You see, I'm convinced today that one of the greatest things that really keeps people from doing great things for God, one of the things that that keeps people from experiencing miracles from God. One of the things that keeps people from connecting to God's vision is a lack of vision in their lives. And every church needs to be reminded of God's vision. In fact, if you read on in Nehemiah, you'll find out that Nehemiah had to share the vision halfway through, 26 days into the 52 days, Nehemiah had to share the vision. He had to reshare the vision again. And so I want you to know that I'm going to keep on sharing God's vision with you. I'm going to keep on compelling you with a, a passionate plea to understand the vision that God has for this church. Why? Because the Bible says, my people perish for their lack of vision. And churches die, and marriages die, and families die, and communities die when there is no vision. God is looking for people with vision. And what one such man in the Bible is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's actually the cupbearer. We'll talk about it in a few moments. But, but Nehemiah in the Bible, the book of Nehemiah, opens up with an understanding that the people of Judah and the city of Jerusalem were in very bad shape. 150 years uh, before King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and he actually, he takes Jerusalem by force because it was judgment against the people of God. Remember Jeremiah, Isaiah, the prophets declare because of the rebellion of the Israelites, God is going to discipline them. And so now they go to war against King Nebuchadnezzar. And King Nebuchadnezzar, he 
uh, he just absolutely destroys the army of Israel, destroys the armies of Judah. And the Bible says that he takes with him captives into captivity for 70 years. Now, he goes, he takes them into Babylon, and the Bible says that during those years, the people of Israel settled in Babylon. And as a result of that, they started to work in different places. Some of them were officials. And now we find that Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. The city of Jerusalem is laid waste. The temple is laid waste. The walls lie in total ruins. But how many know that we need somebody? How many know that it just takes one person with a new vision, with a clear vision, with a renewed vision for what God wants to do, with a passion for the glory of God to light a fire under God's people to do something outrageous. You see, God still wants God's people to do things that are outrageous, things that nobody else can imagine. As the Bible says, eye has not seen nor ears heard, nor is that entered into the heart of man what God is preparing for those who love him. And I want you to know today that God still has an outrageous plan for Bethlehem Assembly of God, that God has an outrageous plan for your life, that God has an outrageous plan for this community because God's got a plan and it's way bigger than you could ever imagine. Somebody say amen. And the Jews desperately need someone with a passion. They need somebody with a vision. They need somebody with the ability to motivate the people with a voice to say, God has a plan for Jerusalem. God has a plan to rebuild the temple. God has a plan for your lives, and it's much bigger than you could ever imagine. And that person was Nehemiah. And the truth is, you and I are far removed from those days of Nehemiah. But there are cities, and there are people, and there are families, and there are marriages, and there are communities that need new vision, that need new hope. They need new life. They need a a sense of God doing something in their community. Have you ever driven through a community that lost its vision? You'll know when a community lost its vision. You'll see it. You'll see the graffiti on the walls, and you'll see the broken down buildings, and you'll see the dilapidated buildings, and and you'll see crime in the street, and you'll see drugs in the street. When you see a community losing its vision, it loses its leadership, and when that leadership becomes corrupt, when they lose their vision, man, the whole city goes down, and I'm here to tell you today that God has a vision for your family, and God has a vision for your marriage, and God has a vision for for cities and he has a vision for communities and God is looking for a church. He's looking for a people that are, that are passionate about God's vision, passionate about God's word, passionate about people who will ignite a community, who will ignite a city to say, listen, God is still in this city and we are the light of the world and we're the salt of the earth and we've come to make this community a better community. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. God's always looking for a church that's filled with people that have vision. So what does a church look like that has vision? Well, number one, a church that is filled with people that have vision is a church filled with people that are not afraid to get out of their comfort zone. It's a church of people that will not stay safe in the king's palace. They've got to get out there because they know that God has called them to get out there. Who is Nehemiah? He's a cupbearer to the king. And what is a cupbearer? A cupbearer is the person who drinks the wine before the king does in case there's poison in the wine so that he dies instead of the king. You better be right with God if you got that job. But he he doesn't just sip wine. He's the cupbearer to the king to get into the presence of the king, to live in the presence of a king. To have that job, you've got to be a person of great prominence. You've got to be a person of influence. And so now Nehemiah, he's in the king's palace, and he's, he, it's safe in the king's palace. He's far removed from Jerusalem. He's far removed from danger. He's got a cushy job in a cushy place with a, a really, really good prospect for a great future in his life. And all he needs to do is close his eyes. All he needs to do is pretend he didn't hear it. All he needs to do is say, safe in the palace. And I'm here to tell you today that you and I are going to have to ask the same question question as a church. Are we willing to just stay 
safe in the palace? Are we just going to close our eyes to the needs of other communities? Are we going to close our eyes to the, the fact that there are lost people in this world? Listen to me. There are still people that need to hear about Jesus. In fact, in this community, there are 64 thousand people. And there's about 1,525 people that come to Bethlehem Assembly of God. But I want you to know that I'm not satisfied. Why? Because there are clusters and there are communities in Valley Stream that they don't even know that we're here. They don't know the influence of Bethlehem Assembly of God. They're not aware. There's no relationships. There's no connections. And as a result of that, we've got a choice to make as a church. Do we stay here? Do we stay in this church, us four and no more? Are we satisfied with the fact that there's not enough room on Easter Sunday for people that have never heard the gospel before in their life? Are we satisfied that people can't get a seat on Easter? Or are we going to do something about it? I want you to know today that you've got a pastor that's filled with passion and vision, and I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied because there's people that still need to know about Jesus. Now, I'm going to get out there, man. I'm telling you right now, I am going to invite everyone I can to the Easter service. I'm going to invite my Jewish friends to the Easter service. Listen, they're not doing anything on Easter. <laughs> and, 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 and I've got some neighbors with little kids, and I'm going to invite them to come out and say, hey, listen, why don't you come out and check out what we do on Easter, just as a kind of cultural thing, you know, just see what we're doing on Easter. And, and it's a great opportunity. Listen to me. If you invite your friends, they're going to come because they trust you. You know, they're not going to come because we put a billboard up. They're not going to come because we put a sign up or give them a flyer. They're going to come because you invited them and because they know you and they trust you. They're going to come to the service. And guess what? It might be their Sunday where God saves them. It might be their Sunday where God takes them to heaven to say, yes, I'm going to write your name in the Lamb's Book of Heaven. It might be their Sunday where their whole life will be transformed because you invited them to church. Listen to me. The Bible says, I am the way, Jesus said. I am the truth and the life. No man goes to the Father, but through me, I'm still convinced the gospel has power to transform our life. I'm still convinced that if somebody doesn't know Jesus, they're going to spend a Christless eternity in hell. That's what the Bible says. And I want, to light, I want to light a passion under you today. What's our vision as a church? We envision gospel transformation. What is gospel trans? What, is, what does that mean? Paul the apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the good news. The bad news is that we don't know Christ. And if we don't know Christ, I mean, I do, but, but if somebody doesn't know Christ, the bad news is the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is that Jesus, he died for our sins so that we might be reconciled to God. You know, I was listening to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 coming to church today. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's where we are with our reading in the New Testament. I hope you're following along with us. Paul the Apostle said, and you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Our job, our ministry is to reconcile people to God. And we do that by sharing the gospel, the good news. We envision gospel transformation in the lives of individuals. We envision that every person in Valley Stream gets a chance to hear, hear the gospel. Because Paul the Apostle said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The good news is powerful. And all we have to do is share it. You might say, but I've invited people to church and they didn't, they didn't come to Christ. No, 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 no. We're planting the seed and his word will not return void. Man, I'm telling you. Listen, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you this cool story. I didn't share this in the last two services, but I had a friend of mine. And I remember we were 13, 14 years old, and, and I used to go to church, and we moved to Florida. And, and I used to go to church, but I was a bad kid. I was, I was such a bad kid that I was supposed to be the Christian. And my friend, who was not a Christian, his mother said, don't hang around with that kid. He's bad news. <laughs> and and I, just, I just invited my friends to youth group, you know? I just invited them, and I invited a bunch of my friends to youth group. Even though I wasn't doing the right thing, I just kept on inviting them. And, you know, years later, I got an email from Steve, my friend Steve. I talked to him all the time now. He's a good friend of mine. And um, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard from them. I was in my 30s now. <coughs> and I get an email from Steve, and he goes, hey, uh, is, is this the Steve Malazzo from Fort Lauderdale? He goes, I'd love to connect with you. We reconnected. And Steve told me that after I moved away, I needed to move away. After I moved away, he started going to church and gave his life to Christ because I planted that seed. Amen. 
I mean, I mean, it's not our job to get anybody saved. It's our job to invite people. It's our job to connect with people. It's our job to make them aware that there's a church that loves them. It's our job to make them aware that there's a connection and relationship so that they can be discipled. Amen? And so we have to ask that, that question. Are we going to stay safe in this building? That's why we're going to do something this year that we've never done before. We're leaving the building on Easter because we want everybody to get a good seat because on Easter, it's frustrating to me when I, when I walk away from eight service and I know that, that there are people that were in the gymnasium and they had to look at it on a monitor and they couldn't get into the building and, and, and everyone needs to have a great seat. And so we're going to this incredible place where we're going to be able to really present the gospel in a beautiful way. And we need your help. We need you to get out of your seats. We need some of you to be ushers and some of you just show up on Saturday and move a chair. You know, everybody can do something to get out of their comfort zone to do something to reach somebody with the good news. Number two, a church with a vision is a church that is a praying church. Notice verse four. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days and I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And what did, what did Nehemiah say? The same thing that Jehoshaphat said. Remember last week's sermon? And this is not something that I made up, but I love it. Rick Warren said this. When you pray, you pray these prayers. Are you not? Have you not? Will you not? Are you not the God of heaven? Are you not the God who can do all things? Are you not the God that created all things? Are you not the God that is above every situation? Have you not already saved me? Have you not already done great things in my family? Have you not already provided for me on a daily basis? Will you not be true to your promises? Notice Jeremiah says, if, or, or, or Nehemiah, he says, if, you, if, if, if we come back to you, we'll return to you, then you will hear us, O God, and restore us. Wow. Are you not? Everybody say, are you not? Have you not? And will you not? We need to pray faith prayers. Lord, are you not the God of the 64,000 people in Valley Stream? God, are you not the God over every person? Are you not the God who promised us that if we go out and we do the work of the kingdom, your Holy Spirit will go with us and we will see great fruitfulness? Are you not the God who have promised those things? Have you not in the past been faithful to Bethlehem Assembly of God? I remember when we had one service. I remember when there's 300 people. I remember when we didn't have any money in the bank. I remember when, when there was a time when we weren't reaching all those missionaries. I remember the time where we had just one little building and now we've got the whole block. Are you not? Have you not? Lord, will you not? Hallelujah. I've seen your faithfulness, Lord. And we need to pray those great, awesome prayers. I want you to know that a, a praying church then turns into a church that has a strategy. And so a church with a vision is a church that understands that they have to have a strategy. So a church with a vision is a strategic church. Vision without a plan is just a dream. I want you to write that down. Vision without a plan is just a dream. It's just a pipe dream. You see, I have vision. I have vision for my children. I remember when I, my daughters were little girls. I have three daughters. And I used to always say to my daughters, I can't wait. You've heard me say this. I can't wait. And they go, Daddy, Daddy, what do you mean I can't wait? wait? What can't you wait for? And I say, I can't wait to see the great things that you're going to do in your life. I instilled that in my daughters, that one day they were going to do great things, that one day they're going to be serving God in great ways, and they're going to be doing some incredible, outrageous things with their lives. Why? Because I believe that there's a seed of greatness in my children, and I'm saying the same thing to little Ellie now. Now she understands me. She's two years old. Man, we're having a good time together. You want to see a picture? You want to see a picture? You see, a vision without a plan is just a dream. But notice what Nehemiah does. He gets a vision from God. What's the vision? The vision is to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. He closes his eyes, and what does he see? Rebuilt walls. He doesn't see walls torn down. He sees a great big massive rebuilt wall. What does he see? He sees a temple rebuilt. He sees people walking in the street, praising God, going to the temple, feeling safe because there's a wall. You see, he got a vision, but now he puts a strategy to the vision. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me that now Nehemiah goes into the king. Now notice something. He's got a plan from the beginning. You see, when you are a cupbearer, you are not to be saved. 
sad in the presence of the king. You got to lift them up all the time. You always got to be smiling. Always got, hey, hey, king, it's a good day. I mean, the kingdom can be falling apart, but you tell the king, it's a good day. Because you're the guy that's going to lift him up. You're going to bring him to a, a, a place of a vision again. You're going you're gonna to lift him up because he's discouraged. And so, so Nehemiah wasn't just the cupbearer to drink the wine. He was also his cheerleader. He was also his confidant. He was also the kind of guy that said, listen, things are going to get better, king. So he'd always be smiling. But Nehemiah had a plan. What was the plan? I'm not going to smile today. I'm going to walk into the king's presence, and I'm not going to be smiling. And when the king asked me, which is a big risk, because if you didn't smile and the king got annoyed at you, he'd have you put to death. And so, so, so the Bible says that Nehemiah is prayed up. No, no, notice what it says. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lie in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? There it is. He needs to know what he's seeing, what he needs, what he wants to get the job done. And notice what he says. Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. There's the, there's the vision. I want to rebuild the city. I want to rebuild the walls. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long will your journey take? And when, when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Look at Nehemiah. He's got a vision. What's the vision? Rebuild the walls. Rebuild the city. Then he says to the king, and I've got a timeline. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do it. And here's where and when I'm going to come back. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of, the, of my God was upon me, the king granted me my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. Wow. So he goes to the king and asks the king, hey, king, the first thing I need is a police PBA card. I need to make sure that wherever I go, I'm safe. And so when I'm traveling to Jerusalem, I need to whip out this letter so that when they want to take my life or they want to do something, I've got this letter with the seal of the king on it, so I'm guaranteed to get to Jerusalem. He's got it planned out. He's got a strategy. Then he says, and not only that, but while I'm going, I want to meet with the, the person who's in charge of all the timber in the, in, the, in the forest, and I want you to give me a letter so that I can get the timber that I need to bring back to Jerusalem so that we can build the gates. Wow, he's got a strategy and a plan. I have to tell you that I have a vision for Bethlehem. I've always had a vision for Bethlehem. From the moment that I became the pastor of this church, I've always had a vision. Because without a vision, people will perish. And I remember when I was 30 years old. That's 25 years ago. It was a, a while ago. And I'm a young pastor. And we've got one building. Now, you've heard this story. I'm going to say it over and over again. Why? Because I've got to remind you of it every 26 days. You know, I've got to remind you of it every once in a while. You've got to hear the story so you understand. I'm, I'm committed to the vision. I'm committed to where God is leading us, no matter what happens, even when the enemy comes against, even when we've got difficulty, even when we've got setbacks. I'm committed to the vision. Glory to God. And let me tell you something. When God gives you a vision, you better know that there's going to be enemies that come against you. Look, if if you read the book of Nehemiah, you'll know that when Nehemiah set his heart to rebuilding the temple, Tobiah and Sambalat, two of his enemies, came against him. And listen, when a church is on the move, when a church has a vision, when a church wants to get a job done, when a church is not satisfied with being just sitting in their seats doing the same thing week after week, but the church is filled with people with a passion to reach lost people, you better believe it. The enemy's going to come against you. But we've got an unstoppable mission. We've got an unstoppable 
unstoppable God. We've got an unstoppable message and we know that we're going to prevail because the, the kingdom of God is on the move and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I believe it with all my heart. Come on, somebody. I believe it to the core of my spirit. That's why I work so hard because I believe it. And so when I was 30 years old, I was walking around the block and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. God spoke to me and he said, I've got three things that I want you to accomplish in your ministry. And that's all I've been doing. Three things. Three things. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to give all your money away to missions. I want you to build churches overseas because the Bible says that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so I want you to, I want you to give the missions. I want you to provide for missionaries. I want you to provide the finances to build churches. I want you to provide the finances to build orphanages and teen challenge centers. I want you to provide the uh, money. And you know what? I meet with missionaries almost every week. I meet with missionaries. I met with uh, a young missionary this, this week. He's, he's coming to New York from Texas to work on the colleges in New York. And I said to him, young man, we need you. We desperately need people filled with the Holy Spirit on colleges, on college campuses here in New York. We need on fire, sold out young men. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm going to stand with you. I told him right away, I'm going to write you out a check for $5,000 immediately so that you could start coming here and help you with some of your moving expenses and your rental expense. And then I'm going to take you on with monthly support. And now I'm going to even try to give you a little bit more money to get, kind of get you a, a good foundation so that you could start, so that you can listen to me. Here's my plan. Here's my strategy. I told him, if I do that, you need to call all your buddies in Texas and tell them to come here and help us because we need the help. And he agreed. Hallelujah. Listen, you, you're dealing with a New York pastor. I, I got a strategy to take over everything. I believe God's a big God. And I believe that God wants to raise up people to do it. And so, so I'm walking around the block and God says, you give away your money. And listen, in the last 25 years, we've given over $13 million. $13 million to mission. This past year, we gave 740 some odd dollars, 740 thousand dollars to missions. For 740 thousand dollars to missions this year. Man, we just keep giving, and we keep on seeing God do great things all over the world. We we support over a hundred missionaries. I mean, the stuff that we're doing in the world. I remember at the end of the year, we wrote a check out for an orphanage for a children's center in Iraq a Christian children's center in Iraq. We're getting ready to unveil a plan to be able to adopt, listen to me, to be able to adopt languages of people languages that don't have the Bible translated in their language. We're getting ready to adopt several different languages in Kurdish uh, tribes in Turkey, uh, places in the Middle East so that we can fund the project so that everyone can read the Bible. How many of you are thankful that you have a Bible? Come on, come on. That's the kind of stuff that we could do. And God is blessing us and blessing us and blessing us. The second thing that God said is, now, while you're giving away all your money, buy up all the property around you. Buy, just keep on buying property because you're going to build, you're going to expand. And I was like, okay, God, the math doesn't add up. Why? Because you told me to give away the money and you want me to buy property. And let me tell you something. We had one building, this building right here when I first started. Now we own the whole square block. Come on, somebody. And we have no debt. We have no debt. And we bought other buildings. And the Lord said, and, and the third thing I want you to do is I want you to raise up young men and women and send them out. I want you to plant them out. And in the last several years, we have planted churches We've planted churches in Long Island, and it's been amazing what God has done through what we've been able to do. And so what's the vision going forward? Well, let me, let me, let me really be clear with you. I want to be as clear as I can. There's two things that God has put on my heart, and, and he put on my heart, he put this on my heart years ago, and I've just been working the vision, working the vision, working the vision. Now, he said, give away your money, but you need to know where to give it to and how to do it. He said to buy up the block. And you have to know how to do that. So it's not just the vision, but now you have to have a strategy. And we have. We've been able to meet with owners. We've been able to save money. We've been able to invest so that we can buy up the whole block, right? In the understanding, with the understanding that we're going to expand the block, right? And then he said, I want you to raise up leaders. And so we've been doing that by planting them out. But now God wants us to shift gears. You see, because I am convinced 
that there is no block in Valley Stream that's going to be able to contain the vision and the growth of Bethlehem Assembly of God. I believe that with all my heart. Now, am I going to see it all in my day? I hope so. But if I don't, I'm going to be, I'm going to dog it like David did because I know that I'm going to have sons and daughters that are going to follow me and they're going to carry the torch of the vision. Listen to me. When you instill the vision in others, it goes on and on and on. And I'm telling you, God's going to do a great work through Bethlehem Assembly of God. We're going to grow beyond your wildest imaginations. God is going to touch people and reach people, not only in this block, not only in this area right here, but there's going to be community after community after community that's going to know who Bethlehem Assembly of God is and it's going to know who Jesus is. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. And so, so we have been working for several, actually, years now to start what's called a multi-site church. Why? Because this block is not big enough to contain the vision. And so we're in the process right now. Our architects, a wonderful man of God, he's developing an architectural rendering and a plan to redevelop this whole block. So the houses are going to get knocked down, most of them, and we're going to put a building on this block. But this block is not big enough to contain. I'm telling you, by the time we build that building, we're already going to have to need other space. And so the Lord has showed me that we're better together. And as a result of that, what we're going to be doing is we're already doing it. We're in the process right now. We've got coaches and mentors. We've got a plan in place. And so here's what the Lord showed me. He showed me that there's 64,000 people in Valley Stream, 1,525 people, and not all of us come from Valley Stream, go to Bethlehem Assembly of God on a weekly basis. About 2,500 people that say they come to Bethlehem, but about 1,525 show up each week. And so we're just packed out everywhere we go. I mean, downstairs and the balcony and the third service is getting full now, and it's just going to keep on growing and growing. And so I believe... As, as, I, as I see it in my mind, that God, 64,000 people, God, there are neighborhoods in Valley Stream. There are communities in Valley Stream that don't know, even know that we're here. I mean, I, I talk to people and I go, I, I never knew that your church was there. I don't, I, I don't, I've never seen it before. And so we need to build awareness. Not only that, but we need to build satellites where we can touch all of Valley Stream. So here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be having smaller satellites, smaller multi-sites, all over Valley Stream and the border, bordering cities of Valley Stream. And the first place we're going to start is we're going to go west down Merrick Road, right near Laurelton, and we're going to start, as, as, as Franklin is going to share with you in a, in a moment, we're going to start farming the neighborhood. We're going to start going into that neighborhood and we're going to start loving people. We're going to start building relationships with those people. We're going to start connecting with those people and we're going to start a multi-site and it's going to be, listen to me, one church and multiple communities, one lead pastor, a team of people that are leading the process and all of us in this church are going to be on the team making sure that we are strong enough to keep on multiplying. Why is that important? Why is that biblical? Because number one, Paul the Apostle, when he, when he went out to plant churches, he raised up people, he planted them in locations, and then he oversaw them as an apostle. That's really important. Why? Because everyone needs accountability. And a lot of times we plant out stuff and there's no accountability. This is powerful because it brings mentorship, it brings fatherhood, it brings oversight, it brings love, it brings resources, and it brings connection. That is spiritual. Now, on the financial realm, hey, listen, we've already, we, we know we're building a building on this block. Lord willing, we're going to do it. Within the next couple of years, it's going to be up. But we know it's not going to be big enough on this block. So we have actually scaled back. We're not going to build a huge, huge, humongous building on this block. But here's what we heard from the focus groups that we gathered together with the leaders. They said, we need excellent space for our children. We need excellent nursery. We need excellent kids' space. Not only that, but we need excellent education space so that we can actually have great education happening, grow university, discipling people. We need space for our young people. We need a beautiful banquet hall, cafe. We need a lot of stuff, man. We need a big, we need a foyer. Come on, somebody. We just need a foyer, a big foyer. So we need a lot of space. 
And so we're going to do that, but we're going to do it all with excellence. And this building here is going to be converted into a gymatorium so that we're going to be able to have a gymnasium in here, a banquet hall, and an overflow so that when it starts to overflow, we're going to have enough space for people to come into the overflow. How many believe we got a plan? Come on, somebody. At the same time, because that's going to take some years to do that. And let me tell you. We believe it with all our heart. That's why we've been saving money, saving money, saving money. Are we going to need to raise money? Absolutely. But we've got a good start. Why? Because we've been saving, saving for this day. God, this is the day. Today is the day. God is so gracious. After all this time, we're seeing it happen. But at the same time, while we're doing that, we can't stop reaching new communities. We cannot. Why? Because this is going to take a while to happen. We need to reach communities today. There are people lost today. There are people that need to hear the love of Jesus today. So we can't stop and say, okay, we're just going to stay right here. So we've got to plant out. And listen, we already have people in the pipeline of leadership to do that. Now, I want to tell you, as Franklin comes, that this young man is brilliant. I mean, he is passionate. He is committed. I've been pouring my life into him. I've been mentoring him. And as a result of that, I have been seeing something in Franklin. I've seen a passion for lost people. This guy, he's got a basketball thing that happens on Tuesday nights, and a lot of the guys they don't even come to the church, right? He's already doing it. He's, out, he's already at McDonald's in that community. He's already connected with the, 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 the school superintendents. He's already connected with people in that community. Why? Because he's just passionate about lost people. And, and after praying and seeking the face of God, I believe he is going to be the campus pastor. He's going to take a lead group of people to seed the area and we're going to get behind them. We're going to support them. We're going to love on them. We're going to be a team doing it together so that we can see another community, one for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what God is saying to Franklin. Come on over here. I bless you, man. Good afternoon, everybody. Are you guys excited today? What a wonderful pastor we have. Praise the Lord. Uh, my wife and I are truly honored and humble for the incredible privilege to serve this incredible, unstoppable God and this amazing church. We are truly fired up, ready, and excited to be the first team to be sent into the highways and byways, to be a witness into the surrounding areas of Valley Stream, into a satellite, a first location for Bethlehem Assembly of God under this wonderful leadership of Pastor Steve and all the pastors and board members and leaders of this church. And man, I just want to take a moment before I give you some key strategies that the Lord has placed in our hearts. I want to take a moment to thank my pastors, Pastor Steve Malasso and his wife Lisa for their mentorship, for their friendship, for going out of the way to pour in our hearts. For going out of the way to listen to us and spend time with us. also want to... Uh, Thank some of, some of the other people that have planted seeds of greatness in our life. People like Pastor Tony, man, who's so passionate about mission. Pastor Henry, who's so passionate about spending time with people, listening to them. Brothers like Mike Bodica and Tony Rose and so many of the leaders in this church, man. We're so thankful that you've come in our lives. Uh, and last but not least, the Lord, our God and Savior, who died on the cross and set us free and sent us out to be able to do what God wanted to do in this land, which is restore and redeem his people. Come on, somebody. Give it up for the Lord this, uh, this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. And some of you might not know who I am or who we are, but, uh, you know, uh, we're born in Bethlehem and... Uh, Many years ago, we came to the aisles of this church broken, lost in translation, confused, with no identity, with no sense of value. But when we came into this church, man, we heard the call of God. We heard the voice of God. I still remember Pastor Steve speaking about the 21-day breakthroughs. And, and he began to speak about how the gospel can transform anybody. Come on, somebody. And the Lord began to minister to us and to work in us and through us. And man, we're so excited. 
And as we began to pray and seek the Lord and Pastor Steve began to speak about his heart, about the vision of this community. Man, aren't you glad you have a pastor who has gone out of his way to make sure that we're not just building a building. I mean, think about it. We have Hope Day. We have the House of Hope. We have ESL. We have, we have so many things that we do here in Bethlehem and we do it with excellence. And as we began to pray and we began to seek the Lord, the Lord said to us, we're already doing this thing. It's just a matter of continuing to expand our team and send Bethlehem into another community to be able to do the work of God. Jesus went into the community. He loved on them. He healed them. He spent time with them. He told Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I want to go into your house. Jesus was relational. He was master at going in and spending time with people. And, we, and this is what the Lord put in our heart. It was Matthew chapter 13, which is the parable of of the sower of the seed and i'm not going to read the parable to you but i do want to tell you that in matthew this is what he says that a farmer went out to scatter seeds on the ground a farmer went out to sow seeds on the ground that a satellite team from bethlehem assembly of god went into a community and we and we have been praying and the lord has given us already a passion for rosedale laurelton west valley stream and, and farmers farmers went out to sow seeds on the ground and they found hard ground as the seed as the parable of the seed so the seed tells us and some were stony grounds and the and the ground is the condition of the heart so the seed which is the word of god uh, of god landed in hard ground some fell on stony ground some fell on thorny ground and some fell on good ground and when the seed the word of god landed on good ground it produced a harvest and oftentimes and i believe this with all my heart that even as a church and i'm not talking about bethlehem assembly of god because we get it because we have been raking the soil. We have been loving the community for a long, long time. But oftentimes we blame the heart as to why they don't receive the seed. Oftentimes we blame the condition of the heart. It is a, a news problem. It is the president of the United States problem. It is their problem. It's not our problem. But this is what the Lord said to us. That it is not necessarily a ground problem. It is not a heart problem. It is a farmer's problem. That a good farmer first rakes the soil, takes the stones out of the soil, and waits for the opportune time to scatter the seed. I mean, think about it. It is cold right now. Would you scatter the seeds on your backyard so that you can have green grass? No, you're going to wait for the, for the right time to be able to rake the soil, to be able to scatter the seeds. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is the year of farming. It is the year of raking. It is the year of expanding. It is the year of planting. It is the year of loving. It is the year of being intentional with that community. It is the year of going into the highways and byways and compel them to want to come to know the light that's in us. It is the year to be the salt and the light of the earth. So this is what the Lord put in our heart with mentorship, with, with, uh, with the church planting organization and Pastor Steve and, and Dave Nosolo. The Lord said to us, you need to create the same awareness and the same job that you've done in this community right here into another community. I mean, right now in this area, if somebody needs to come to church, they don't know Jesus, they don't know anything about the gospel. Will this be the first church that will come to their mind if they wanted to come to church? Well, perhaps for a lot of the people in this community, I believe that they will say, yes, I want to come to Bethlehem. I know them. They've been in the park. I was running through the park and I saw them doing Hope Day at a big time level. Or oh, I was hungry and somebody fed me. I came to the House of Hope and somebody blessed me. I didn't speak English and somebody went out of the way to make sure that I can understand the language so that I can go out and get a job. So why not take the DNA of this church, the great leadership of this church, and just multiply it and send it into the areas around Valley Stream. There's about 20,000 20, plus people in Rosedale. So we have 65,000 in Valley Stream, 20,000 in Rosedale. It's about 85,000 people within a few miles. So we're going to create awareness in this community. We're going to let them know who we are as a church. We're going to let them know that we care about them, that we love them, that we're here for them. That when we think about a church, they think about us. There's a group of people, man, they're different. There's a group of people that, man, they just go out of the way. And as a result of creating awareness, we're going to be able to connect with these people. And how do you know that you're connecting well with somebody? When you know them by their name, they know you by your name, and, you know that you, and they know that you're praying for them. 
And that connection becomes a relationship. And that relationship is that they know your story. You know the story. They, they know where you come from. You come from Bethlehem. And you're praying for them and you want them to know Jesus. And as a result of that, now the Lord has set a platform for us to be able to speak the word, the word of life into them and create disciples. And then we'll go in and we create or multiply a service in that community where people will hear about one groups and they'll know about foundation and they'll begin to be disciple. Come on, somebody. Give it up for the Lord. God bless you, everybody. Amen. So to be clear, what we're going to be doing, I'd like the pastors to come as well, to be clear, is one, we're going to continue to redevelop the block. We've got an architect who's going to actually uh, give us some drawings that we could take to the town to get approved. But at the same time, we're raising up campus pastors. And as a church, we're expanding one church, multiple locations, one lead pastor, Many leaders going into other communities, not neglecting this community, but going into the next community, which is really still Valley Stream, Rosedale. And then we've got our eyes on other parts, corners of Valley Stream and uh, Long Island. And, and we thank the Lord for that. But it starts here. It starts today. What do we need from you? We need everyone in this room. I, I've been here before. We need everyone to recognize that we all play a part in this. Some of us are going to be a part of the lead satellite team where you're going to say, yeah, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of starting a new campus in a new location. Some of you are going to say, hey, I can finance and help support this. All of us in this room are going to pray and all of us are going to do this together. How many of you believe that we've got a vision from the Lord? As a result of that, I'm going to ask you to do something with me. If you say, Pastor Steve, I'm going to be praying. I know, I recognize that in every organization, there are early adopters. They hear it and they go, yes, this is where we're going. Then there are thinkers. People like, okay, let me process this. Let me think about this. Where do I fit? But all of us in this room play a part somewhere. So I want to pray today. I'd like for you to bow your heads. And then I'm going to ask Pastor Henry and Pastor Tony to pray. But today, the first thing I want to do is I want to pray for anyone in this room who feels far from God. Anyone in this room who doesn't know if they died today, they'd go to heaven. You say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I'd go to heaven. And I need to get right with God today. I need to accept the free gift of eternal life. I just need to be right with God. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you if that's you. I want to pray for you right now. Say, Pastor, I don't know if I die today, I go to heaven. I need Jesus to be my Savior. Would you raise your hand? Anybody in this place? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else that's here today? Yes. I want you to do something for me. If you raised your hand today, whether you're in the balcony, on the main floor, we're going to have some counselors come in just a moment. And they're going to pray with you. They're going to give you some free information to begin your brand new journey with God. So I would encourage you to come forward if you raised your hand to get that information. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need somebody to pray for me. I need a miracle in my life. There's gonna be prayer counselors here to pray with you and support you. Sometimes you need to pray with somebody for a miracle. Sometimes you just need to pray for somebody, with somebody that they would just encourage your heart. But I want all of us in this room to pray this simple prayer today. And if you mean it in your heart, Christ will come in and be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me so much, dying on the cross for my sins. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I cannot make to heaven without your intervention. Forgive me of my sins. I confess with my mouth, believe in my heart that you rose from the grave. Thank you, Lord for the free gift of eternal life. I freely receive it in the name of Jesus. Empower me today by your Holy Spirit to follow every day in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you. That's why we have gifts. That's why we have talents. That's why we have treasures. Father, we thank you that you didn't just give us gifts and talents just to sit on them. We didn't just give us resources that we can just consume with ourselves. We thank you, Lord, that you've given these things so that we can go yes, out Lord. and be the people of God that you call us to be. 
Father, we thank you that you are God and there's none like you. We thank you, Father, that as we're about to stretch and go out into these communities, what use is it if we have all these gifts and talents but never use them? What use of it if we have all the resources that are necessary for the kingdom of God, but we never use it for the kingdom of God? Yes. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us opportunities to take our gifts and talents into a new community. You're giving us opportunities to raise up leaders, raise up worship people, raise up ushers, and, and, and raise up those that we need to have service in these other areas, Lord. We thank you that you have established us by your power, by your anointing. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us these things so that we can go into these communities and bring the love of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you that as we go out, we cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus. Yes, we Lord. thank you no weapon formed against us will prosper. Every plan, every plot, every maneuver, every scheme of the enemy to discourage us, we bind it in the name of Jesus. Yes. We go out in the anointing and the power of God. We go out with the power in the glory of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, that you will be established as we go into these new, new areas, Lord. So, Lord, thank you. Yes, help Lord. us to be what you've called us to be. And help us to be the church as we go. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. And everyone said, Amen. Lord, we thank you that you have provided a vision, O oh Lord God. We thank you that the vision is clear. We thank you, Lord God, that we understand that it is a biblical vision. Lord, for you told Moses to send out a team to survey the land. A land, O oh Lord God, which you have promised to them as an inheritance. And so today, O oh Lord God, we pray for the team that will survey this yes, land. Lord. We pray, O oh Lord God, for the team that will come alongside Pastor Franklin, O oh Lord, to survey the land that you, O oh Lord, have promised to us as an inheritance, O oh Lord. And so we pray, O oh Lord God, that you would lift up men and women, O oh Lord God, among them. In the tradition and spirit of Joshua and Caleb, Men and women who will survey the land and say, yes, we can take this land for Jesus. Yes, we see that people will be set free, that lives will be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we see that your promises are faithful and true. Yes, we can do this. And so, Father... We pray, O oh Lord God, that you would continue to bless Franklin, O oh Lord God. Yes, Lord. That you would anoint and give him the strength and the vision, O oh Lord God. To move forward, O oh Lord, we give you thanks, praise, glory, honor, Lord God, for our lead pastor, Steve, O oh Lord God. Asking, O oh Lord God, that you would continue to bless him, O oh Lord God. And as you expand his vision, that you expand his territory, that you expand his influence, that you bless him, O oh Lord God, bless his home, O oh Lord God. Father, that as he continually pours himself out, O oh Lord God, that you would refresh him and refill him, O oh Lord, that you would bless him, O oh Lord. We thank you that we are all beneficiaries, O oh Lord God, of the ministry that you have placed in his hands, O oh Lord God. And so together, O oh Lord God, united, we declare and we proclaim, O oh Lord God, that we believe you, that we trust you, O oh Lord God, that we believe that we will see this vision come to fruition, O oh Lord God, that it will happen. We thank you in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen.